I've been waiting to do this one for a long time. Uh, Rice is one of the OGs when it comes to influencer marketing and the proof is in the pudding. Uh, I think Revolve at recent or most recently was valued over $2 billion on the public markets. And really, I think influencers were a huge driver of that success. Um, enjoy today's show, guys. Remember, tell a friend. That's the best way that you can help if you liked it. Explore the minds and marketing strategies behind today's winning brands and businesses. Tap into the power of the creator economy with Earned by Creator IQ. Here's Connor Begley. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Earned. Today, I have Raisa Girona on the show today, Chief Brand Officer at the Everybody Knows Influencer Brand Revolve. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Connor. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally sit down with you. I know we had to move this a few times. I really appreciate you just thinking of, about me for the show and also accommodating my schedule. No, of course. And this is, you're the type of person that you get your, 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 uh, your schedule gets accommodated, right? So uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, normally I have to make these kind of long introductions to guests to help people understand kind of who they are and what their brand is and how they contribute. But I feel like with you, it's kind of no introduction necessary. Really? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly flattered, but thank you. Yeah, thanks. Well, for the well, for the few people that may not know you, right? So you've been at Revolve for, I believe, over eight years, right? Yes. Um, and during that time, when you started, it was really still pretty small. And now, I mean, it's a publicly listed stock that's, you know, become, I think, uh, synonymous with influencers, right? And influencer marketing. Um, I know that in the last year or two, you've tried to kind of accelerate other areas of the marketing funnel, but um, I think you were one of the the originals, right? One of the the real kind of pioneers in the space. So I'm really excited for today. Thank you. I appreciate that. Those are all um, very kind words. I think, you know, I can't believe also how fast it's been at Revolve. It feels like I've, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, I feel like I've been there for such a short amount of time and I've done so much, but I also feel like I've been there forever and have seen, um, you know, so much develop, not just, of course, in the retail space, obviously in the marketing space. Um, so it's just been, it's just been phenomenal to really, you know, be a part of it and also just to watch um, so much of it change over time. For sure. And I think, you know, as I think about it, you know, we started Tribe about 11 years ago, right now, Creator IQ. And you really got into the influencer space with lovers and friends, right? Before yeah. Revolve, which is probably, yes. so we probably got into the space about the same time. So yeah, uh, I launched lovers and friends, which was, you know, the second brand actually that I had my first clothing brand was called Bridget Catisse and it, it went underwater after two years of launching it in 2008 or 2007. Um, and with Lovers and Friends, I, we launched it in 2010. And I think that was kind of, you know, the very beginning of the blog sphere. I think blogs kind of started to bubble up in 2007, 2008. Um, so it was, again, kind of very beginning before Instagram. So um, we were able to use and leverage bloggers to help promote Lovers and Friends. And that was, again, the second brand that I had. And that quickly grew and i think that was such a great case study of you know how brands can be really nimble really creative also with having zero budget um and also just pure luck <laughs> you know <laughs> pure luck of being being a brand during 
a time where that space was was you know really kind of front and center and not all the way kind of there yet um so when people ask me about that i'm like i think it's really like I, we got so lucky um and then you know when revolve acquired eventually we we had three companies that revolve acquired that's when it was like okay you know go time because we had that case study of like okay bloggers want to work with brands and they're able to promote it on on their different platforms so obviously now it feels very like duh <laughs> like yeah that's what people do but you know in 2010 2009 that just wasn't you know it wasn't the most important thing by any means to any brand to market in that way well you know it's funny i think you know you say it's duh today but i think even a lot of the people that we talk to today some of the largest brands luxury brands fast fashion brands in the world uh you know they'll have one or two people dedicated to it like big brands that you would know and it's shocking right like right. to see the success of you guys and others that have uh that have i mean like multi-billion dollar outcomes and uh still to be so so underinvested. so it feels duh to you but it's still not duh to everybody not yeah, in the same you know, way not in the same yeah, way yeah you know what you're right i should actually like take that back i was at i was at dinner last night with actually Michael, who's the co-founder, co-CEO of Revolve, and then Mitch Mosley. So the three of us, along with another person, Candice, actually started Lovers and Friends and the two other brands. And we were having dinner with a woman named Jenny, who was um, from the private equity firm that invested in Revolve. So we were just kind of like, you know, um, wanted to see each other after, you know, a long time. Um, but she was reminiscing about how in 2019, when we were on the road to take the company public, that she distinctly remembers um, one of the questions that the investors asked, which was, can you please explain like influencer marketing? And, you know, this was in 2019, this was three years ago, <laughs> you not know, that long that, ago. <laughs> not, not that long ago that somebody or actually, again, when we were on, you're right with that comment of, I shouldn't be saying like, duh, because just three years ago, that was really my primary purpose was to educate investors on influencer marketing and the way it works, like for the fundamentals of it. And then of course, getting more granular of like the, you know, posts and what does it really work and top of funnel marketing and, you know, the payment structure, all these things. But I think just even the general idea of how it works and why it's important was absolutely the number one question I got. Uh, in 2019, <laughs> and yeah, I was reminded and I, that last night. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. That was like such that it felt like so long ago, but it really wasn't." No, and those investors, right? They're not thinking about it every day like you are, like I am. And so for them, you know, they've probably had a discussion around it two or three times in the last three years. So it's still not something that they like understand kind of deeply in their bones. Like, oh, there's a brand that does it that's been really successful, but like. Does it mean it's supposed to be done everywhere? At what scale? All these questions. Um, and so, yeah, I think you guys are still, and going back to your we got lucky comment, I think, you know, everybody had access to the same information back then, right? So like everybody yeah. knew. Uh, right. Thank you. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we had that. Yeah, I guess the same kind of playing field in a way of having access to that same information, but it is kind of, also instinct, of course, and I think having really 
great partners that are very open-minded. I always also think that that's essential in a business. I think sometimes somebody might be a trailblazer, but there's just so much red tape um, to get things done. So it's really hard to move the needle when you have someone that's forward thinking, but the rest of the organization is, is, you know, not as collaborative or more skeptical or just very set in their ways. Um, I think that's one thing that I definitely give Revolve and its, you know, leadership team so much credit because it's not just about the marketing. I really think that, um, you know, being digitally native that, you know, launched almost 20 years ago, 20 years will be next year, which is crazy also. Like that mentality, yeah, I know it's crazy. That mentality is so, um, it's so alive in the company. And that's honestly why I love being a part of it is again, it's beyond marketing, but just operations or just like how to, you know, expand globally, just really thinking about how to put more, you know, independent brands on the website. I think it's just really nimble and, and open uh, thinkers in that way. And I love it. Yeah, no, I think having that kind of alignment at an executive level, especially over such a long period of time and, you know, buy-in, right? Like, because there are signals, right? Like we help to provide signals. Other people help to provide signals that you're working, that influencer marketing is working, but it's very hard to connect directly like this Instagram post to how much value it got for you, right? Like that's a very tough thing to do. So to have a CFO, a CEO or co-CEOs that are supportive of something that's not necessarily perfect. Like it's not like an Instagram ad where you go, oh, I ran this ad and generated X dollars. Like that's um, that's tough to come by for sure. For sure. And I think that's one of the things that I try to, you know, remind other marketers, you know, that that ask if, you know, the, is influencer marketing worth it? Is influencer marketing, you know, an investment that we should re be really looking at? Um, and, I, and I think what a lot of people forget is that or, or or not forget maybe like their approach is not what it should be is that they want to equate every single post to drive revenue or a sale yes. and i think yep. that that's just fundamentally from the start a wrong way to look at it i think it's absolutely top of funnel marketing and there's also different people that can do different things i really look at you know, a post as a billboard. And I think like if you post a billboard, you can't go to the advertiser and, and say, how much did I convert from this? It's all very high level, like high level, like impressions, right? And what's the yep. CPM on that? And so I think for us, like that was one of the things that we got, you know, just the, the fundamentals of what influencers can do, I think has been such a, such a um, what we kind of, got right I guess is that hey like let's try to broadcast what the brand is about and then see what happens and also the see what happens is is not just one post it's taken a long time to really figure out what that is and then of course now there's so many different tools whether it's you know of course before we tried tribe dynamics of what is the EMV on something to uh, of course impressions and traffic but now of course we can track better on sales but I think you know, approaching it from that perspective from the start is the wrong way, the, I think is not the right approach. 
Yeah, and a lot of people have done that, right? And I don't think it, and it doesn't work. And they're like, oh, it's, you know, influencer don't work, right? Now, um, I, I do want to get into your background. So I'm going to hop back there in a second, but I want to dive into one other kind of topic there that you're talking about, which is over the last, call it year and a half, two years, you know, you obviously have the kind of creator influencer engine going, right? Um, but it seems like you've started to invest kind of more heavily in the kind of customer marketing, in marketing your partners, right? The brands that are on Revolve, which I think, you know, you've got close to a thousand brands and the vast majority of them are, are small independent brands. Um, right. You know, what was the thinking behind investing in those activities, um, you know, while the influencer engine is still kind of running? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, after our first like true influencer partnership was in 2013. Um, mm -hmm. That's when we first did a, re a revolve around the world trip um, and really kind of kicked things off, um, you know, in a big way where, where there was, you know, figuring out which influencers to work with, et cetera. So it has been, you know, a while. It's been like 10 years, right? And so I think for us, like really figuring out that we need to continue to connect with our consumer is you know, first and foremost. And I think being in the pandemic, um, it really opened my eyes that like we were so event and influencer driven, which is amazing. And it's always going to be a part of our strategy, but to be a little bit more diverse, especially when you're, you know, told to stay home and you can't do anything like <laughs> how else could we, yeah. Like how else could we message what the brand is about without having these kind of events and trips that we're known for. And so that was very eye opening for me as a marketer to figure out strategy that's, you know, what I'm, I guess I'm calling like just at home evergreen and then also kind of the program that we've been running with influencers. Um, so that was kind of just a, we have to figure this out because we had no choice during the pandemic, but it was also such a great lesson and a blessing because we were able to build out that program pretty significantly. Um, and then knowing that we can always pull the lever when we're able to travel again or, and, and do these things. And then on the brand side, I felt like that was, again, another lever that hasn't been really uh, pulled in a long time because we have been so influencer focused um, mm -hmm. that people forget that we're a retailer. I think, uh, you know, I'm really happy that people think about Revolve as a true brand but with that, they think almost that it's a mono brand, <laughs> you know, yeah. that it's, 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 it's one brand, but it's not, like you said, there's a thousand, sometimes 1200 brands on the website, you know, close to 80% of them are owned by, you know, females, small businesses or, you know, young designers from all over the world. And I think that we need to be able to tell that story significantly more because these products, they're really hard to find, which is another kind of pillar of revolves aside from influencers that, we carry so many brands that you can't really find anywhere else. Our buyers do such a phenomenal job scouring the internet and of course, like going on these appointments to, to find the best products for our customers. And so that was just a big part that I think has been missing because we've been so influencer focused. So that's really been my goal the last couple of years is to, to tell a more holistic story about Revolve and to also really set us apart from a lot of the digitally native guys, a lot of DTC brands that, that came up in the last couple of years that Revolve is one, not a mono brand. Two, it's so robust in the product offering. And three, there's so many more ways that we can connect to the consumer aside from just, you know, these trips, events and, and influencers.
Yeah, that makes sense. You've also done a lot of the more traditional fashion, right? Fashion events, right? Like yeah. the Met Gala, Fashion Week. How is that? Yeah. Is it weird to kind of, because at first I feel like influencers were shunned from those events and you guys obviously were kind of counterculture, right? Like you uh, you went against that that grain. Is it weird now to kind of come back full circle on it? It is. and But it's also like, again, comes back to just like, how do we set ourselves apart? How do we keep the brand aspirational? And I think that, you know, seeing so many companies, which is so amazing for the influencer economy, right? To use influencers in every single segment, whether it's obviously fashion, beauty, cars, home, I mean, like you name it. I think a lot of brands are, 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 are working with influencers. It was important for us to also pivot and, and, and say like, hey, yes, there's a ton of influencers that you can work with, but, but it's really also a whole other set of activities that you have to do to be like a, a true kind of fashion brand. And that's fundamentally what I always like think about when I go to bed and wake up is like, how do we stay relevant? How do we stay aspirational? How do we stay a lifestyle brand? Because that was always the goal from from the beginning, right? And so I think being integrated into, you know, all the segments of 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 fashion, whether it's you know the Met or New York Fashion Week or Coachella or you know obviously social media, is just it's table stakes for any brand. And so for for us, it's we have to be everywhere. And that's what's really stressful, honestly. Not only do you have to be everywhere, you have to be good at everything. You have to be good on TikTok. You have to be good at, you know, on Instagram. You have to be good at influencer marketing. You have to be good at your strategy. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on. Like, you have to be good at everything to be relevant to the consumer because they have so many choices. You know what I mean? Yeah, they have so yeah. many options. And I think for us, like, what I do is very, and what the team does, it's very like, you know, you it's what you see but the other part that's like not sexy and like not as cool but i think is so cool it's just like fundamentals of our business whether it's the free return and free shipping like i always get like literally i get stopped on the street people are like revolve as the best shipping ever like i had it <laughs> and i got it the very next day like those are things that i think people forget that is again makes the brand what it is because you could have a really cool brand and like do the met but like it's it, if you don't have the fundamentals whether of course it's you know your margin structure or like just the operations on the shipping and 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 returns like it, it kind of falls apart so i think that's what again i think what makes the brand so cool is that we can be like the flashy side and go to the met but also make sure that the customers are getting their packages and the yeah. business <laughs> you know what i mean like these these are just like i mean <laughs> make the tra you know you want the trains to run on time right like you gotta exactly. make sure yeah, like, exactly. yeah. it's like you know so there, there's so many different boxes to check off to, to to make that train like run and and our 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 my job and the team the brand marketing team's job is very of course like again out there and it's, it's so it's so tangible you see it on instagram you see it on your social you know you see it at uh, you know in in vogue or whatever but again at the end of the day it's like it wouldn't be running without all these other kind of parts that I take so much pride in. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> have to give, give them a shout out. I'm like, shipping and handling, a check. You know, <laughs> make sure we're profitable. That's, that's, that's well, important. For apparel brands, right? Like returns are much higher than other categories. So like 
if you're, you know, if you don't have that figured out, it can kill your company, right? Like you can't, you know, just it cuts so much into your your margins. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, you know, for ever since the beginning, again, back in 2003, when Mike and Michael started the company, fundamentally, they believe that, you know, your home is your dressing room. And that, again, now it, it's like a, it's, it's table stakes. But in 2003, that just thinking about ordering jeans on a website that you didn't even really know, putting in your credit card, like felt very, very scary. You know what I mean? And so in order to like make people feel comfortable, that was just one, a service that was provided from the beginning of the business. Um, and so you're right. It is really, it's tough. All apparel is, you know, you have to try things on. And I always say to the team, like, it's like when you go to, to a store, like when you go to Zara, you take 10 things in there, seldom do you buy all 10 things. It's, yeah, that, yeah. That's, it's like the same exact kind of thought process when you also order online. So for us, it's obviously baked into to, to our margins and, and we have to. And I think it's one part of what makes Revolve also very special. And, you know, to the, cus the customer, it's like it's reliable in that way. And, and, and I'm very, very proud of that. Totally. And those are, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about what was going on in 2003. Like that was pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter, pre-Instagram, like. I mean, uh, pre-everything. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm like, but yeah, it, it's that. It's like getting really being like, is this going to work? Are people going to buy clothes online or anything online? But clothes is like so crazy. And again, now it's like, we don't even think about it, but that's just been, again, part of, of, of the business, like, you know, from the start. Um, and it, and it's, it's crazy to see how much it's evolved for 20 years and 20 years. It's nuts. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's actually go back 20 years or even further. Right. So I want to go back into your background. Cause I think what people really underestimate, I remember I have a friend who runs a very successful restaurant now and he's been doing it for like a decade. Right. And he's like, you know, he comes to me and he's all excited. He's like, man, I figured out how to increase the yield. He makes, if you search for margaritas in the Bay Area, he's the number one result, makes his killer Mexican restaurant. And he's been mm -hmm. making margaritas since, you know, we were in college together. He's my roommate. And, uh, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I figured out how to increase the yield of limes by like 20x. He's like, you get the lime juice out and then you take the skins, you apply this acid, it does this. He's like, I've done taste tests, I've done this and done that. And it's like, you know, and that's to eke out like an extra few percentage points, right, of margin on that thing. And I feel like that's, those are the kind of hard won victories that take a really long time, but ultimately lead to a brand like Revolve, right? Um, so I want to go through your background because I think the... Sure that kind of resilience over time um, is pretty wild, right? And why don't you tell, I've got the story here. Why don't you tell the story of like, you know, you were going to be an attorney and then you decided to not be an attorney. Then you were in a sales job and then tell that whole, that whole story for people so they can hear it. Yeah. So I went to UC Irvine and was studying law um, and was very, um, motivated. I don't know why now it's like, I laugh, but I was very motivated to graduate as fast as possible. Like I was just like, I need to get out of college. I need to like make money. I want to have this type of car. It was, you know, it, it was very, <laughs> it was, it's, it's funny, but that really allowed me to work very, very hard. Um, yep. I did graduate a little bit early. I got into, you know, took my LSATs and everything. And then uh, my last year, I, I mean, I basically was done. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to take, um, I'm going to study abroad for a quarter and then be like off the next quarter and just going to walk on stage 
and just graduate. And so, of course, like studying Italy, it's like so quintessential. Like, you know, I had like my moment studying abroad. <laughs> that's really what happened. Okay. I was like, I was sitting there and I was just like, man, people here take fiestas and stuff. Like, what's happening? You know, I'd like this, I'd never been abroad in my whole entire life. Like, I, I was born in the Philippines, but beyond the Philippines, I'd never gone out of the country ever since moving to America when I was seven. So going to Europe as like a 19 or 20 year old, I was absolutely blown away. Like just the beauty of it, just the lifestyle, everything. Anyway, I ended up telling my parents when I was studying abroad that I wasn't going to be a lawyer and they were absolutely devastated. And the first thing my dad says was like, what about my investment? Like I put you through college. Now what are you going to do? You know? (laughs) And um, (laughs) so it, it was, it was stressful for all of us because I didn't know what I was going to do. But the, 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 you know, call it the third or fourth thing that they said was like, listen, when you come back, you're going to have to figure out how you're going to make your own money because the deal was you're going to, you're going to go to law school. And now that you're not like, you're going to have to basically like make a living. So yeah. I came back, I graduated college, super stressed, did not know what to do, but I um, immediately got a sales job and I went into sales because my dad was in pharmaceutical sales. And so I was like, you know, dad like makes like pretty okay money. He has his own schedule. He's like an outside sales. And so I was like, you know what, maybe I can like do this. And it was not in pharmaceutical sales. I was selling uniform rental basically. And I would have to go to like, you know, blue collar jobs, people that wore uniforms that they needed basically a laundry service. That's really what I was doing. And I learned so much in such a short amount of time. I was 21 doing this. And um, one, like you had to control your own schedule. Um, So I would only go into the office once a week. Um, You would have to manage your territory, which is like the area that you were designated to sell. And then I made basically like $20,000 or something in my like guaranteed guaranteed salary. And then everything was based on commission. And so that was such an important experience now, again, looking back, because it really was kind of like business 101, being an entrepreneur, even though I had like insurance and somebody paying me guaranteed $20,000, I was able to learn, you know, pretty quickly how to close deals, how to put together deals, how to present, how to, you know, what happens when I'm lazy, which is I get no deals done and I have no commission. (laughs) No, and so it was kind of like this very, like, a very quick way for me to learn, like, oh, this is how it is to kind of work for yourself. And because of that, you know, it really, I think, fueled my desire, honestly, to to work for myself, which is exactly what I did. So while I had that job, I started um, my first brand and I would just sell, you know, basically like remade vintage clothing on eBay. And Mm. that business, you know, started to do really, really well. I ended up quitting my job. I launched my, that, you know, vintage remake brand and Revolve was like my, was my customer. That's how I met Michael. That's how I met, you know, really the whole Revolve company because they bought my brand. And um, yeah. And so, you know, that was in 2007 and did that for about two years. And then in 2008, as you know, was the great recession um, ran out of money very quickly and um, had to close the business in 2009. And that's when Michael um, asked to basically, you know, hey, I don't really know you. 
seems like you're a hardworking person. Do you want to like do a brand together? And he was like, I will fund everything, but you have to do everything. And to me, that was just like the biggest lotto ticket. Like I could, it was like a winning ticket. I'm like, yeah, I'll do every, like, great. Just cause I had another brand closed. I can, I can do this. And I literally did everything. I designed, I did tech packs. I, you know, I sold it to showrooms. I did the marketing. I would pack the box and send it to the boutiques. Um, cause we also sold lovers and friends in other, um, in other stores, not just Revolve. And again, it was kind of like, the part two of my of, of business school, you know, the part one was going to having that sales job. Part two was now, I would say part two B part two was having the first company that failed. And then now having this, you know, company that, um, that I, I really did like everything from start to finish. And I learned so much in such a short amount of time and then built that up. And then in 2014, um, ultimately sold it, sold, sold it to Revolve, which was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's how I was able to get a tiny bit of equity in the company um, and like really learn the process of selling a business, uh, valuing things. Um, and, you know, that, that, that really was life-changing in every, in, in, in every way. Yeah. The, the Michael role in there, Michael Menti, uh, is fascinating to me that he would be willing to write that check, you know, hardly knowing you, right? Or just knowing you a little bit. Is that something he does regularly? Like, maybe talk a little bit more about him, too. It seems like he's played a pretty big role in your life. Obviously, both Michaels, I'm sure, have. But yeah, uh, yeah talk about him a little bit. So I met Michael in 2008. Um when you know they were buying my my first friend Bridget Catisse that went out of business and you know I always knew that he was kind of a special person because you know he's in 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 uh you know online retail which at the time again there were not that many um mm -hmm. and so I just kind of always was like okay he's like always kind of trying down to try something new um and then when he wanted to do a brand with me I was absolutely you know shock that like he would you know really take a risk but also you know when I think about it now like that's probably his superpower is to really kind of recognize people um, either within the organization or people that he wants to bring in and make sure to empower those people to to help you know continue the business you know in whatever kind of vision that he has and he's done that multiple times not just with me um, it's you know he has great leadership in the company and some of the people i mean i would say three or four of the people that i can think the right you know top of mind like they've been they they've been at revolve since they were an intern you know and now they're like running big parts of the business and so he's just been a great you know he's my one of my great friends but he's also been such a great mentor to me um and to to watch him also you know truly you know blossom as a ceo uh I think at the time when they bought Lovers and Friends, Revolve was, I don't know, doing maybe like a hundred million in revenue. And then we just crossed, you know, a billion in revenue earlier this year. Um, so to, to see that, you know, it, it, it's amazing. Like, you you know, you're yeah. like, wow, like it's like 10X and, <laughs> you know, in 10 years. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's incredible. So, um, yeah, he's been such an important person in my life in that way from a from just a, from a business standpoint and a mentor. Um, and he continues to really, you know, uh, 
fascinate me about the way he thinks about the world, of course, the of business and, and, you know, he's very also involved in marketing because he, he thinks, you know, he, he, it's like revolve is like his child, you know, yeah, um, so totally. very, very involved. but yeah, I've been very lucky to have people like him in my life for sure. Yeah. It's funny. People talk about unicorns a lot. And usually that means you're worth a billion, but doing a billion dollars in sales is a totally different, totally different milestone. That's uh that's pretty wild. <laughs> I know. We were also just saying recently, like, man, like that happened earlier this year. I think it was in March or February or something. And we should have just had like that should have been a big party, you know, because like, <laughs> well, we did it. Which is, it was more like, oh, wow, we like crossed a billion last month. Like, awesome. You know, but when you're right, when you sit back and you think about that, that's insane. Like that, you know, you're the company's doing over a billion dollars in sales. So super proud of the entire team and, and it really is like a, you know comes back or down to mike and michael who are incredible ceos are super duper smart um very open i always say that as a as a, a, a characteristic about both of them very open yep, to yep. change very open to ideas very open to feedback um which i think makes them you know killer uh, as CEOs. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, you, we get set in our ways and that, I think that that's one of the things that makes them really special. Yeah. hundred percent. I think if I'm doing back of the napkin math correctly, that means you're making a hundred thousand dollars an hour, every single hour, every day for the entire year. That's a lot of money. <laughs> oh gosh, okay, yeah, I do. <laughs> That's absolutely right. You know what? And they deserve it for sure. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's crazy. It's a yeah. weird number. It is That's a weird a big number. number. <laughs> oh, cool though. I love it. So let's that. let's talk about the scale, right? So scaling up 10x. Obviously, you know, you had started working with influencers at Lovers and Friends and then, you know, really kind of blew that up at Revolve, it sounds like. Um, what was that like kind of scaling it up, right? The the scale of your guys' program in terms of working with, I mean, you know, there's tens of thousands of influencers that create hundreds of thousands of pieces of content a year. What were some of the challenges with that scale? Um, and then what do you think some of the, the mistakes are that people make, you know, along the way, right? Like, what are the things that you're like, man, people, and you talked about it a little bit earlier, but like, just don't get this part right. Yeah. I mean, we had so many challenges, um, but also I think a lot of room because not that many people were doing it. So we couldn't really reference anybody to be honest of like, oh, they're doing this. This is their mm -hmm. gifting program, or this is what the, the, the um, contract structure should be. And the deliverables, like it was, you know, it was like the wild, wild west. Like nobody. Yeah, like, you're making really, it up as you go. <laughs> oh my God, making it up as we go, absolutely. And again, that's what I think. That's what also was the 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 cool things about doing it during that time is that you know you kind of set your own rules, not because you were trying to you know do anybody wrong, but just truly nobody else was doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and at the scale that we were doing it, like first, honestly, it was just like me. Um, that was gifting, reaching out, and then um, then another person, and another, and then now you know there's call it like twenty people on that team yeah, um, that yeah. do solely just like influencer um, and brand ambassador kind of you know relations. But yeah, um, yeah. that has taken a long time. We also had to build a lot of our systems internally, like a, you know almost like a CRM for um, for influencers that that didn't exist. You know when we yeah. were starting out. 
Um, so that the tech team had to build that in-house so that we can track everyone's information from like their top cities to their top, you know, from male to female, you know, following to their shoe size. I mean, all of this stuff, like we, you know, we have, to, we have, um, yeah. and then, you know, I, you know, recently, uh, a year and a half ago, we launched basically our own affiliate program that has been like years in the making. Um, we built it again internally in house. Um, and that was really because I guess, you know, from the, in the beginning, it was a lot of like, okay, it's all about brand awareness and impressions, which is still very important. But um, a lot of the affiliate programs, they don't share with you, you know, conversion on anyone. Yeah, totally, you know? so, totally. Um, it was just, a, it's a black, black box. And so that was, you know, a big, um, for me, I saw that as an opportunity. And so the team, it took us a while to build it. We, we rolled it out, like I said, a year and a half ago. And that has been in- incredible. I mean, we have, I think, close to 30,000 brand ambassadors who've signed up. Yep, and yep. Um, obviously they get paid commission. Um, but that's just been so fascinating, Connor, because you we have such a wider view of what each person can do. You know, we know who obviously is like, again, great for just impressions. Then you have people that are great for driving traffic, but maybe like not the highest converters. And then you have like the unicorns that are like, impressions traffic drivers <laughs> i mean it's like it's just like it's 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 incredible and it just absolutely widened our 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 view on like who we should be working with and so that's that has definitely been transformative in our business um and then in terms of like getting it wrong i mean she's like we make mistakes all the time and i think brands also i'm sure they feel my kind of pain too it's like Sometimes your head is down just working that when you you lift it back up to kind of check around what's happening, you're like, oh my gosh, I missed this or we should have done this, you know? And I don't think any of it is intentional. I think we're all just trying to figure it out and that like, this is a completely new space still. I mean, and every day, you know, like for instance, in 20, what, 19 TikTok launched, you know, that is also kind of in a way a wild, wild west, right? Because the 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 um the platform is is so different. There's so many different types of creators on the platform. The price point is different for each creator. So, you know, that that then again, that's something that we have to learn again. You know what I mean? It's like you have to learn something new every single time. So, you know, I think for again, in terms of mistakes or like lessons learned, it's like you just have to be on it and just learning as much as possible all the time because any platform can kind of just you know um come come to fruition and i think there's (laughs) big i mean truly and there's such a big benefit to be an early adopter you know obviously there's risk because you're trying to figure it out but the if you're if you're on tiktok from the start like obviously you know charlie d'amelio then you have hundreds of millions of followers and i think brands were a little bit late like i feel like we were late to tiktok um and that was a missed opportunity i mean now i think we're getting in 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 our groove but that took a while to really like figure out and pivot um and and there's so many more like examples that i can give in terms of like all the things that i think we could be doing or you know in terms of brands it's like i i really only just kind of to be honest like look at revolve because i'm very like that's just like what I live and breathe, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, but there's there's so much, and I think another kind of missed opportunity 
or not, I shouldn't say missed opportunity, but one thing that I'm constantly trying to work on is just having content housed on our platform and on the website, because you're really at the mercy of all of these, you know, the algorithms, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, like anything can change at any given moment. And so to me, it's like, you have to build, you know, your platform in so on so many different platforms, but I think it's also become very important to have it on your own website or what app, whatever you have. Um, because, because it, it is a risk that I, that I, I'm sure we all, we all have experienced. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, Shein, I think has pushed their own kind of app really aggressively. Um, yeah, you want to make sure you own those channels if you can. Um, so quick question. So yeah, two more questions and then we're going to do one fun end of show question. Okay. So, um, so, you know, obviously you guys took the company public. Um, and now you've been a public company for, I think, a couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are the challenges? Because, you know, I think that's an ambition of our company, right, to get to that right. point. And so what are some of the challenges of being, you know, at a public company versus a private company? Or has it been pretty much pretty much the same? I mean, from the marketing side, um, it's pretty much the same um yeah. i mean no actually no I, it's <laughs> it's just you know you're scrutinized you know all yeah. the time and everything you know you have to really think about everything over and over again to make sure that you know there's it's not going to be a liability on you know your investors um and i think reporting every quarter is also i mean i think to me it's like just like a report card every quarter of like how you're doing, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And it's, you're getting graded on it, like truly on your stock. And so that's sometimes could be stressful. And to be honest, in the beginning, I would check the stock like every day. I'd be like, what's yeah. this, you know? Because you, that, you like, that's just what you start to think about. But, you know. And the whole company is probably doing that, right? All the employees and like, probably not as much as you, but they like check in, they look at it, et cetera. Etc. Exactly. But I think what's been great too, again, going back to just like, you know, the leadership team being in sync is like taking, you know, three steps back and saying like, we're in this for the long term. And like, yes, you're getting great. You know, you have to report on a quarterly basis, but you know, we have aspirations to be a really, really large company. So like, let's keep our eyes on that prize. And, you know, of course we have to continue to maintain the business, but that's what we have to work towards. But that took me and I think a, a few people in the company a while to really get in that zone because you, because I was so like just obsessed about the quarter and like the stock price and like, what are people, you know, what are other kind of retailers reporting during this quarter? You know, you, then you're constantly comparing yourself also, um, which is good, but I, I have learned to, you know, focus on the brand, continue to do what we're doing right, learn from the mistakes and continue to, you know, keep our eye on that, like kind of five, 10 year trajectory. Yeah. Well, there's still opportunity to 10 X or more. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I remember looking at it, it was like crazy. Cause I think, you know, fashion Nova is in the billions of revenue. Right. And they like, I was like, they're like, well, how much more room is there to go? I'm like, well, let's look at it. I'm like how big is Zara? I'm like, I think Zara is doing 30 to $35 billion in revenue. It's like, you know, so you could get to 35 times your current size and still not be the biggest, you know, there's still bigger brands than that. So it's, exactly. uh, there's a lot of room up, right? Um, okay. You. So let's do one last question before the fun end of show question. 
Okay. Um, which I'm kind of forgetting. I had it. I got to remember it. So <laughs> the, um, I like to kind of have it come as we go. So, um, so you recently celebrated your 40th birthday. And I think in, uh, you, you mentioned online that in your 30s, sold two businesses, built a global brand, took it public, became a mom, <laughs> you know, all that stuff, right? So, uh, and I, I personally really like to think in decades, right? I think when you think in uh, years, like the phrase I really liked is, you know, people overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in a decade. So for you, what is the next kind of, yeah, that's a great one. Um, Cause again, it's like, oh wow, what could I do in 10 years? Like that's a, that's a big chunk of time, right? Um, so for you, what is the, what does the next decade hold? What do you, what are you hoping to accomplish? To be honest, I'm like not a hundred percent sure yet. I've, that's been top of mind for me for like the last year. Cause you know, knowing that I was turning 40 and kind of trying to, plot out what I want to do for the next 10 years. But, but it's just exciting to me because I feel like I'm just, you know, in this very different time in my life where I have access to not, of course, we all have access to so much information, but just people and like, you know, people that I want to meet and different types of businesses. And so it's, I, I almost feel like it's very, again, very cheesy, but it feels like the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Um, I obviously have so much, you know, aspiration for the brand to continue to grow. And I, and I definitely think we're, you know, we're, we're in that direction, but for me personally, you know, how can I be more effective potentially in other businesses, whether it's of course being an advisor or board member or consulting, et cetera, and just kind of use all this, experience that I've, you know, I really worked hard for to gain and have failed so many times. Like, how can I really use that to my benefit? Um, I haven't completely figured it out. So that's, I'll come back to you on that (laughs) here. But I would say the last thing would be to just, um, I've I've been really eager to to give back in some ways, uh, whether it's, you know, mentoring, you know, young, young people or, um, really just giving up my, giving my time and being involved um, in organizations, uh, nonprofit organizations. So that's something that I, I definitely am putting things in motion. Um, and, and that really just, again, stems from like, wow, you've been able to, to, to do so much in, in 10 years and um, you're in a position to really, you know, help people out just with like, again, so many failed um, experiences and how can I give back? So that's something that's been top of mind and very important to me. 100%. Yeah, I think it's one of the bigger misunderstandings when it comes to entrepreneurship, which you didn't mention, but um, you know, people assume that all the best companies are started by people in their 20s. And it's like, no, the success rates actually go up as you get older. So it goes up all the way until you're like mid to late 60s, 70s, like you get more and more successful, right? Because like, you know people, you know how to do things, you've got access to capital, you've got all these things that you didn't have when you were in your early 20s. Exactly. Um, and that's what's so exciting, you know, and that's why I'm like, I don't know, because I feel like there, there's so many different paths to take. And all the things that you just listed is are all the things that I think about of like, wow, you could really like do anything. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I know, again, it sounds very cheesy and I'm not saying like I could do any everything, but it's more just like, like, you know, take a moment, take a beat and just figure out what you really kind of want to do because because there's a good chance that you can get it done. So that's what's been very uh, exciting for me. 
hundred percent. All right, let's do one fun end of show question. So okay. what was the biggest, and you can leave names out, the biggest revolve around the world fail? What was the one where like things just didn't go, something broke, somebody got lost, luggage was burned, something like that? I mean, there's so many, honestly. <laughs> so many failed um, revolve around the world because you're dealing with so many different personalities. And so something that might not be as important to one person could be, you know, very significant to another. And that's another thing that I, I like really try to, I, I've learned honestly doing the trips is like, I have no idea what these people are going through at the end of the day, whether it's people that I'm traveling, whether people that I'm working with, or just people that I come across with, at, you know, at the, at the grocery store. Um, and to just have a little bit more kind of, empathy and not judge them for you know if they're crying over something that I think is like a non-issue <laughs> I'm like you know what I have no idea maybe like other things happened the day before that you know is not being shared with me and I don't want to keep I don't want to make my um my assumption on such a small kind of um <laughs> you know instance but gosh we've had so many Connor I mean from of course lost luggages is always like a 911 situation you know boy <laughs> A boyfriend breakup, you know, a boy fighting during like, you know, they're all of this stuff. I mean, when I say we could have had the best reality show, we could have had the best reality show. <laughs> but we were, you know, and also there's still a chance. You got a long ways to go. <laughs> Trust me, like we've been asked, and I'm like, I would never do that to to to, to the to the to the influencers, my team or or, or the brand. But yeah, it's just, it, it's been such a wild ride and like literally. And, um, you know, I, I feel very, very lucky to have experienced all of it, even if, you know, I have people crying about <laughs> lost luggage. <laughs> it's been, it's been an incredible ride. Oh, I can imagine. Well, uh, well, I really appreciate you taking out the time. I'm glad we finally got to make this happen. And again, congrats on the last 10 X and here's to the next 10 X over the next decade. And, uh, yeah, excited to watch you guys continue to, uh, kill it and, and innovate. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you for your time. Of course. Bye, Raisa. Bye. Be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe. Earned by Creator IQ. Creator IQ is your all-in-one solution to grow, manage, scale, and measure your influencer marketing program. Ready to unlock the power of the creator economy? Get started with a demo today at creatoriq.com.